If we can get people to be more specific with how they're preparing their pelvic floors for birth, I believe we can eliminate a lot of those mid pelvis stalls. But also it's really important to have someone like a doula or a savvy midwife or nurse who understands, oh, mid pelvis stall, okay, we need to release the pelvic floor. So maybe get them on the toilet where that's a place your pelvic floor is used to relaxing. This is Pros Talk Pregnancy, the no BS show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond. I'm talking with visionaries and game changers who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, mom of four, lover of the mountains, seeker of knowledge, exercise physiologist, birth doula, and childbirth educator. Basically, I'm an all-around pregnancy and birth nerd. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth, and recovery better and empowering professionals and families alike. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, my amazing friends. Lindsay here, and today we are going to be chatting all about the doula role. I want to really speak to my doula colleagues here, whether you are thinking about becoming a doula or you're a new doula or you've been a doula for 20 plus years. I think this is a really helpful episode for just starting to understand where our role lies, what is our purpose and how can we make this sustainable? How can we really impact birth? How can we really help our clients to have these empowering experiences that we want them to have, that we want them to get what they want. They hired us to support their journey. And this is not to say that everyone's going to have the exact birth that they want. We know that there's unpredictable things about this birthing process, but that's why I always call it the, the phrase that I've always used is we stack the cards in our favor. And that's just this understanding of taking control of the controllables so that we can allow ourselves to let go and know that whatever that outcome is, it's what it was, you know, it was supposed to be. So will cesarean still occur if you have a doula? Yes, of course. Will inductions be needed? Yes, sometimes. Will people get epidurals? Yes, people will get epidurals. All of these things have their place. I think sometimes new doulas think, and I don't think I thought this consciously, but I think I thought this maybe deeply more subconsciously. We sometimes think if I'm there, then nothing will go wrong. I can protect this person against all of that stuff, against the modern industrial medical complex, you know, and, you know, yes, we are there to empower them and we're there for their, to be their advocate, which we can talk about more later, but our job is to help them have their voice. You know, sometimes people on doula interviews, they'll ask me, what types of births I attend. And I attend all types of births. I don't think doulas should be bragging about their cesarean rates because you're not the medical provider. Your job is not to protect them against anything and everything. Your job is to make sure they understand the pros and cons of different things so that they can make the best decision for them. And what the best decision for client A may not be their best decision for client B. They have different values. They have different belief systems. They have different desires. 
And they have, a, of course, also a completely different situation unfolding. And so I never judge my clients or think differently about them for making a different decision than maybe I would have made for my own birth. First of all, I'm not in that exact situation. I can't say what I would do for myself. And secondly, it doesn't really matter because it's not my birth and it's not about me. So I find if there's a doula who thinks everyone should give birth you know, squatting in the woods, you know, no, not everyone wants that or desires that, or is not safe for everyone to do that. Right. So our job is not to help them have the most natural in quotations birth possible. It's for them to have the best birth for them. And I think that's in a really important thing to learn. And, um, I want to share a little bit of one of the first births that I ever attended. So I, my mom's a labor and delivery nurse. So she was for many years, she's retired now. And actually her dad, my grandfather was an OBGYN. So birth was just in my blood. As long as I tried to stay away from it, it drew me in. So I got trained to be a doula and I was, you know, and then looking for births and, uh, my mom kind of put some feelers out there to some midwife friends. And sure enough, you know, very shortly after that first training, I was invited to my first birth. And what happened was this client, this couple had gone into the hospital first, first baby with, you know, some prodromal, some early labor stuff, but their cervix wasn't dilated. Things weren't going um, where they should stay. And so the midwife sent them home with my name. <laughs> and so they called me, you know, never had attended a birth before they called me and we chatted. And then eventually when it was time for them to go back into the hospital or they were ready to, we, I met them there. And then I was there with them for the next 30 hours. Again, this is my first birth. It was trial by fire. It was, um, there was a lot that went on. It was a long, slow progress, um, slowly more and more interventions needed to occur. We were doing all the things that I could think to do at the time. You know, this was 2009. I actually had a scarf on that I brought that I was wearing to that um, birth. And I ended up taking it off and used it as to sift the belly and different things like that, that I just kind of had started to accumulate a little bit of knowledge and help. Thankfully, I had a lot of knowledge from my background in exercise science that I was able to start, you know, doing some different things. However, it wasn't enough necessarily. It was, or it wasn't what was needed, or I didn't have this full depth of understanding of what I was doing when to create change in the certain levels of the pelvis stuff we can talk about later. You know, I didn't know all of that at the time. And so I felt like I was just kind of doing things. I was like, okay, let's just sift this or let's release that, or let's massage that or squeeze that. And it, there was not really a lot of rhyme or reason to what I was doing, but I was trying to, you know, and I, I still was important that I was there. You know, I was holding the space. I was making this um, family feel more calm. I was educating them on the pros and cons of things and making sure they always had a voice. You know, I was giving them cool cloth. So I'm, it's not to say I wasn't doing important things and I'm really, um, you know, it was important that I was there. They were so grateful that I was there, you know, after 30 plus hours, um, she ended up giving birth by cesarean and I left that birth, you know, very grateful for that experience. Um, but also just wondering, cause I knew that wasn't her initial plan. You know, is there anything I could have done differently? And I know we can't, we can't, we shouldn't be looking back con constantly and saying like, what if, what if, what if, but I did do that. <laughs> you know, I did that, you know, first ever birth 
wow, I was like here ready to just impact change. You know, if they have a doula, then nothing's going to go wrong. And I pause because the more you go to births, the more you realize that's really not true. You know, you know, just being there, you know, having a doula is not to say that things may not still go differently than planned. And that can be hard, especially for the, the first time doula or the new doula who thinks that they are just going to do so much and be so much and save so many people. And we don't save them. We support them. And so that was really my first lesson. And I'm really grateful that that was how my first birth went. Cause it really set me up to realize this right away. You know, if the first 10 births had been just like super easy and, you know, just as smooth as butter, I maybe wouldn't be the doula I am today. So please know that sometimes interventions are needed. Thank God we have cesareans. They save lives. But I do believe that there are things that we can do, specific things that we can do to minimize the chance of needing these. Because what modern maternity care is doing, you know, they look at, okay, so I'm trying to get this baby through this pelvis, right? And now the baby is, delayed at wherever, doesn't matter. Baby is delayed somewhere in the pelvis. Now what modern maternity care does is, okay, well, if we want to get baby through that pelvis, we need to add more force. We need to add more power, power force, same thing. And so ways we can do that is to make the contraction stronger, you know, add Pitocin, you know, a more natural way of doing that, maybe nipple stimulation, whatever we can do to add force. Even gravity in some ways is force. You know, it's adding more force downward to get baby through. But what's the missing piece in that is that our pelvis is not a fixed entity. It has joints. It has the ability to move. And when we create space at the top of the pelvis, the way that joint works, there's slightly less space in the bottom. And when we make space in the bottom of the pelvis, there's slightly less space at the top. And so the more I learn this, the more I realize that the, we shouldn't just randomly be doing these different um, positions and, and comfort measures. We should be doing them very specifically based on where the baby is in the pelvis. So when there's a delay and the baby is high, we shouldn't be doing the same things that we do when there's a delay and the baby is low. And granted, I could go even deeper into the fact that the more we prepare people prenatally, prepare their bodies to have mobility in these joints, having balance in these structures, the more they can just show up and hopefully just have a boring birth and not have me, the doula need to do all my fancy tricks. However, I'm also a believer that we save those fancy tricks in our back pocket in case they're needed. And, you know, hopefully they're not always needed. You know, it's, it's not like I want to be there doing all these different things. I just want to support you and tell you you're amazing and give you sips of water and say, you've got this and help you to just have this boring, empowering, impactful birth. But we can also have a impactful, empowering birth where sometimes if, you know, stuff isn't going exactly according to plan, we just suggest a little position change, or we do a hands-on assist to release a certain tissue, balance something else. And then we are able to go back into that, you know, smoother journey. So it's kind of a balance of doing the work prenatally to stack the cards in your favor. And also having someone at that birth who understands what to do when, 
if there's a delay or if something is not going um, as smoothly as it could go. So um, I'm really a big fan of the combination of both. Um, and yes, people will say, well, birth, birth is a natural process. So in theory, I shouldn't have to do anything to prepare for it. Right. And that's how I went into my first birth of my, my first baby in 2007, I thought, well, this is a natural process. People have been doing this for a really long time. So I'm sure I can just show up and figure it out. There's nothing I should need to do to prepare. This is natural, right? You know, you don't have to train your body to poop, <laughs> right? And maybe that's how I was thinking of it. However, yes, it is a natural process. But what I didn't realize going into that first birth was we've taken it out of a natural environment. We've put it into a hospital. I'm not anti-hospital whatsoever, but it's changing the process. What I often think of, so I live in Minnesota. We have the Minnesota State Fair and we have something called the Miracle of Birth Barn. And you can go into this barn and you can watch, they have all these animals, these farm animals that are very close to birth that they place in this large barn. And you can walk around and you can watch different animals give birth. And interestingly enough, I kind of, I really feel bad for these animals, to be honest, because I see a lot more when I go into that barn, I always see more interventions. I always see more things going wrong. And I wonder if it's because they're being watched they're in they're taken out of the natural place where they are used to giving birth you know people who live on farms will tell you that these animals go you know you think of a cat you can't find my cat anywhere well it's found this dark quiet warm place to give birth away from everyone else because we intuitively need quiet we intuitively need space and we need to feel like we're in this like bubble of peace is what hypnobabies calls it and so thinking of um the doula, one of our roles as a doula is creating that bubble of peace or helping them or educating, especially prenatally. How can we make that birth environment be this place where you feel safe to let go? And so keeping our clients in that, that place, that labor flow state where they can just let go. That's the first key. And it's, it's more difficult to do in the hospital, but not impossible. You know, there's more beeping noises. There are more people coming in and out. There's, you know, bright lights. And so if there's you know, there's the hospital gown, there's all kinds of things we can do to help minimize that um, sense of being watched and that sense of being out of our safe place. Um, so that's one of the huge roles I find as the doula is like protecting the space and holding the space. And so that's something, you know, that's something I was doing right away. That's this, like the base, the base knowledge and the base skill of a doula should be one to protect the space like that. And to keep that person in their flow state, and then two, being that source of education and helping them to understand, you know, the pros and cons of different things and really helping them to find their voice. And then the third thing, and this is the thing that I want to spend more time talking about, because we've talked about the other ones in previous episodes, is about this physical support, this understanding of the what to do when, the physiology, the biomechanics. So I was at a birth about two weeks ago now, and I was talking with the midwife, you know, outside, you know, not with the client. I think this was maybe after the birth that we were chatting and, and, you know, she goes, man, like I was doing all these different position stuff. And she, she was like, yeah, I just, I just really don't want to know all about the biomechanics. And I was like, well, I don't really want to learn how to resuscitate or deal with hemorrhage. Right. So it was just this understanding of this, we have separate roles 
you know, the provider, the midwife or the doctor and the nurse as well, you know, their job, their primary job is to make sure that the birthing person and the baby or babies are safe. This episode is brought to you by the Body Ready Method, our game-changing, interactive, fully online course for perinatal and birth professionals who want to elevate the way they serve their clients. We teach you how to help your clients prepare their bodies for a more functional pregnancy and efficient birth, and teach you what to do when, during birth, through the lens of birth biomechanics. Gain confidence and new skills to support your clients. Sign up for the waitlist for our next cohort at BodyReadyMethod.com. And so their job, that's primary. That takes precedence over other things. So if that birthing person is struggling emotionally, but there's also a baby that is stressed out, the provider must focus on that safety piece first. That's their first first step. Where me as a doula, I'm freed up because I'm not having to focus on the safety because someone else is doing that, that my job is to support that comfort and support that emotional piece as well. And then the physical piece. So if they're worrying about like things like hemorrhage and resuscitation and fetal heart tones, I'm not looking at that at all. That's not my job. That's out of my scope. So I am able to really tune into the birthing person and see this full scope of what's going on. I see the positions that they're making. I tune into the smells. I tune into the sounds. I tune into how she's moving or he or they, how they're moving their body. You know, I tune into all of that. I tune into how they seem to be coping. And so then I can understand what may be going on if something is delayed or not. You know, um, I like to share the story of um, one of my doula clients um, who was going for a vaginal birth after cesarean. And I had been with her for quite a while and she was doing hypnosis for childbirth. So she was quite calm, Um, but I was tuned in. I was with her for a while and I knew like she is pretty far along, like it's getting close. And her nurse actually called the doctor who was not yet in and, and goes, eh, she's probably two, three centimeters, like don't even come in. And it was really disheartening to this mother who thought like, oh my gosh, I've been at this for 30 hours or however long it was. I don't remember. It's been 10 years. <laughs> and, and she goes, oh my gosh, it's going to be so long. And I said, client said her name, you've got this. I believe in you. I, I, you know, and I, and I intuitively thought she was further along, but of course I didn't want to say that and have her actually be two to three centimeters. And her, she, she ended up talking to her provider on the phone. He decided based on talking to her, okay, I'll just come in and I'll just check you. You know, that would make you feel better if I just check you and and he checked her. And sure enough, she was nine centimeters and within the hour, her baby was in her arms. So sometimes it's the doula, that person who's in the room all the time, who's the only one that's that tuned in, you know, the nurse is coming and going and the nurse has a lot of different, you know, patients, maybe that they're dealing with the provider, um, especially in a hospital situation, they're in and out, they're doing other things as well. And so your doula, you're the one, you're the birth detective. You're the one that's able to see that full scope. You've been maybe talking to this person from the time they were in early labor. They've been telling you and texting you, you know, for a week about maybe prodromal labor or these different signs. And so I found it's really cool as a doula that I have this full picture often of what's going on. And it gives me deeper insights into an understanding of what's going on. So I had a feeling that this client was nine centimeters or or 10 centimeters or close to it because 
I was seeing her body. I was seeing the change. I was noticing the shifts. I was seeing the the position she was finding, the movement she was making. And I just thought this baby is coming soon. And the more you attend births, the more you start to really understand that. But the, the other big piece of it is having a deeper understanding of the biomechanics and the physiology. And that's what I am really passionate about teaching to doulas. I really believe that if we have a understanding of, you know, the levels of the pelvis, the different holdups at the different levels, then we can be that person on the team that can part that knowledge when it's needed. So for example, if a baby is delayed at the inlet, the top of the pelvis, maybe they're having a hard time getting into the pelvis. This is what happened at that birth two weeks ago. So what happened was my client, and this is my third time being her doula. So it was really fun to work with her because I really had an even clearer picture of kind of her whole background and everything. So this was her, this was her third vaginal birth after cesarean. I was at, at the first and the second, and I wasn't at her two. Let's step back for a second. So, so this client had two cesareans and then hired me for her first VBAC and her second VBAC. And now this is her third VBAC. So we were having, um, she was having some prodromal labor, some stop, start bloody show, just a lot of different signs that her body was ready to go into labor. Her baby was ready, but for some reason stuff was, was held up. She was, you know, 41 weeks and a day. Um, and all her others had come at 39. And so different things were, we're just, I just decided she was on my heart. Let's just go over to her house and see what we can do. So I got to her house at 9 30 AM. And what I found was something that I believe that it would be amazing if all doulas and birth workers just kind of understood how this stuff can hold things up. So what I found was a certain tissue was really tight. Another one was really restricted. We released those tissues. They were tissues connecting to the pelvis. I'm not going to go deep into the science of it because there's time for that later. So we released her body. We balanced out her pelvis. And this is through exercises that she can do on her own. I just educated her on how to do them. And within, you know, her midwife had been there before me and her baby had been posterior, which wasn't ideal for her unique pelvis shape. We balanced her body, you know, during that appointment, her, her baby rotated forward into a more anterior, a little bit more optimal for her position, the baby's chin tucked. And within an hour, I think maybe within the hour, she had already started contracting within two hours. She was in full blown labor. And then by, I think she had her baby around 4 PM. So it was all during the day, no overnight, which doesn't always happen in this, in this uh, work. Oftentimes we're there, you know, at three, 4 AM, but it was really cool to have a nice daytime birth. And it was really cool to see how releasing and balancing the pelvis was able to get that baby into the pelvic inlet. And now what happens when baby would, if baby were to stall at the mid pelvis, this is what we see so often more than any other stall. I often see those mid pelvis stalls, you know, maybe six centimeters right in the middle of the pelvis. Well, that's where the pelvic floor is. And we have a lot of pelvic floor stuff in our society right now. You know, we've taken our pelvic floors out of their natural environment and we've put them mostly in chairs, bucket seats, especially tucking them under the pelvic floor is just not really doing its job as it could for most people. You know, we, we live relatively sedentary lives and then for maybe an hour a day or 30 minutes a day or three times a week, 
we're very intensely exercising and then we go back to sedentary. And so if we can get people to be more specific with how they're preparing the pelvic floors for birth, I believe we can eliminate a lot of those mid pelvis stalls, but also it's really important to have someone like a doula or a really savvy midwife or nurse who understands, oh, mid pelvis stall. Okay. We need to release the pelvic floor. So maybe get them on the toilet where that's a place your pelvic floor is used to relaxing, or maybe we get them into an asymmetrical position to spread those ischial spines, those little spot that baby has to rotate around through the mid pelvis. You know, there's a lot of different things you know, maybe we need to release her obturator internus. You know, there's all these different things where when we understand why there's a stall, then we know what to do about it versus I'm just going to jiggle the belly because that balances things. No, what, well, why are you jiggling the belly? What is happening as a result of that jiggle? And when might that be appropriate? Or when might it be appropriate to jiggle the glutes? You know, I like to create some some, um, jiggling or some shaking motion with the glutes when that baby is stalled, maybe at the mid pelvis, because when we relax the glutes, we relax the pelvic floor. When we relax the pelvic floor, we allow baby to rotate through a yielding pelvic floor. And then at the outlet, you know, why are we having people, you know, we shouldn't need to push for five hours. There, if somebody is pushing for five hours, either the baby is in a less optimal for that pelvis position, or there's something holding them up. I don't believe that it's quote unquote normal to push for that long. Should we let people push for that long? Yes. If everyone is looking safe, but I believe that it is better for the tissues for us to prepare ahead of time so that that is easier get that pelvic floor to be yielding versus so tense. So we have to push so hard to get it to yield, you know, get the, first of all, not first of all, like, but it should be, first of all, we just need it. We also just need to get people in more biomechanically advantageous positions. And we need to educate every single person in the birth room about that. So birthing on the back lithotomy position is restricting that sacroiliac joint, that ability for the pelvis to create more space in the outlet for baby to come out more easily. And so it doesn't make sense. Scientifically is not research-based is not evidence-based being flat on the back is not the best position. And so the first, when we look at research and we think of things like, you know, pushing times, we need to look at what position that person is in? Are they in a sideline versus on their back? Are they on hands and knees? Are they squatting? There's so many different positions that are better than flat on the back. The other thing I want to think about if, you know, we have a lot of cesareans done based on failure to progress, but we need to look, if we're giving someone that failure to progress label, we need to look at, did we introduce movement throughout that birth? And someone's going to now say, well, what if they had an epidural? I don't care. You can move someone with an epidural, you know, there is the nurse can, you can talk to the nurse, talk to the midwife. I'm not saying that the doula should start moving this person without permission. I'm putting that in quotes, but you know, you are on a team with the nurse, with the provider, like, Hey, could we get this person up onto hands and knees? You know, the other thing you can do that I don't think you even need to discuss is, you know, let's say someone's on their side with a peanut ball and the baby is stuck in the mid pelvis. Why are we leaving them? Why are we not moving them? Why not just do some, you know, as if they were unmedicated and they would be shaking their hips from side to side, 
we can take our hands and gently do some motion, even from that sideline position on the bed to help baby rock through the pelvis. So that movement is essential for helping baby's journey. It's this beautiful dance between the birthing person and the baby, this dance of uh, finding that space to rotate through the pelvis. It's not, I think a lot of people think it's like a basketball hoop and you're putting that baby, which is the basketball through the hoop. And it's not like that. The baby rotates to navigate through, you know, for everyone's pelvis shapes a little bit different, but at the top of the pelvis, a lot of times we see more space side to side. And then as you get to the bottom of the pelvis, we often see more space from front to back. So baby starts, you know, navigating that space the best way they can. And that's by rotating. And so I love supporting that rotation and supporting baby's most efficient journey through really deeply understanding what position opens, what part of the pelvis and understanding what hands-on releases or different techniques I can do to encourage progress in a, in a delay. And I want to say that doesn't mean now that I'm suggesting positions left, right, and center all the time. That would be annoying to the birthing person, every position they don't want to be demanded. Okay. Now do this. Okay. Now do this, but I will observe, you know, this it's, it's a really gentle and it's different based on the person, you know, you really got to, you know, kind of be in that room with them. It's almost as if your nervous system is in training with their nervous system. So you intuitively know kind of what to do and how to say it. And so I'm observing, you know, at this birth out just two weeks ago, it was cool to see, oh, she's doing one leg and in internal rotation and one leg and external rotation. I wonder if baby's in the mid pelvis. This is a really clear sign that she's moved. Her baby's moved down because she's intuitively making the positions that's opening the right space. And so part of the doula's role is to just, again, like I said, way earlier, supporting that labor flow, supporting that birthing environment. So that birthing person can intuitively go into the positions that are opening the right space in the pelvis. I really believe that that happens when birthing people are able to go into that deeper place in their brain, that more intuitive place, that more animalistic place, you see them finding the right positions. And it's really cool. And I've learned a lot just by attending a lot of births and observing a lot of birthing people, but sometimes whether they're overwhelmed or scared or getting in that fear, tension, pain cycle, or again, there's just a stall or there's like a tight tissue based on maybe a former injury or a sport they played all the time that created a lot of tension in a certain place. You know, I also believe, you know, sometimes there is a place for me to be suggesting positions. Oh, oh, let's go to the bathroom. They haven't gone to the bathroom in an hour, you know, clear the bladder, make space for baby. All right. Now, how about we try that? What would it feel like for you to try this position? So you're never, of course, forcing it, but you're encouraging different positions. And my clients just love it because they're empowered and they feel like they're, you know, making progress and they're, they're doing it. And so I feel that like, um, the more we as doulas see this as our role, you know, supporting that environment, but also supporting the physiology through that deep understanding of the biomechanics that's going to help with outcomes. It's going to decrease failures to progress. You know, it increases oxygenation of the baby because when baby has the most space, they're not squished in there. They're not, you know, being forced, you know, I think of it, let's say baby is a circle and the pelvis is an oval and there's a failure to progress. Well, add Pitocin. We're just going to try shoving that circle through that oval. 
that's stressful for the baby that can decrease their oxygenation, increase their stress, which we see, you know, when we're monitoring baby, what if we just made that oval into more of a circle and we allowed baby to have more optimal space to navigate? This is going to make it better, safer for the baby. It's going to make it more comfortable for the birthing person. It's going to increase birth satisfaction. It's going to reduce the length of both first and second stage of labor. And I believe will also reduce assisted deliveries and decrease childbirth related injuries. So I believe that doulas are an important part of addressing outcomes you know, there's a lot of different layers to that. We could go into racism, racism in maternity care. And we've had episodes on that as well. And I really encourage you to listen to that because we can't talk about outcomes without talking about how some people are not treated the way they should be treated. Um, but we also want to include this understanding of the physiology and biomechanics in helping people have better births. I am obsessed with the why you can't truly know something until you know why it's working. That's how we find creative solutions in birth. Every birth can be so unique. And so applying the same things to every single one doesn't make sense. Instead, we need to learn how to read the birthing room. We need to learn how to read that birthing person, read their movement patterns, their sounds, their smells, their positions, become a student of birth. And this empowers you to be the best doula. We need doulas who are doulas for the long term, who don't just come and go after a year because they're not really sure they're doing anything. They're not really sure they're helping as much as they thought they were going to help. No, we need doulas who are doing this for the long term. We need doulas who get it. We need doulas who midwives and doctors and nurses are like, yes, we need the doula. Um, it's not a nurses, doctors, providers versus doulas thing. I think sometimes we feel like, what's my role? What's their role? We are all working together collaboratively to support these birthing people to have their best birth, their safest birth and their best experience. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, so if you are with me, I would love to have you check out the body ready method. This is our professional course for birth professionals. So this is not an intro course. This is not going to teach you the pros and cons of different interventions or the stages of labor necessarily. We're going to build on that base knowledge. We are going to teach you biomechanics. We're going to teach you when you move your leg in this way, what does it do to the pelvis? And what does that mean for birth? When somebody is breathing in this way, what does that mean for birth? What does that mean for their core? Why do we need to care about the core for the birth? Why do we need to care about the pelvic floor for the birth? So that you can be elevated to be the go-to birth professional in your area for understanding this stuff. I believe that someday, well, it's my mission. <laughs> so I do believe that someday everyone supporting birth is going to have a deep understanding of the physiology and of the biomechanics and what to do both during pregnancy and during birth to stack the cards in our favor to have a more efficient process. Thank you. Have an amazing day. I look forward to chatting with you again very, very soon. Thank you for listening to Pros Talk Pregnancy, the podcast. We are passionate about making the childbearing years better and as professionals, when we work together, that is when we see the greatest shifts. So thank you for being here with us. Please consider leaving us a rating and a review. This really helps us to get this important 
paradigm-shifting information out there to those who need it. Also, if you are a game-changing perinatal or birth professional, or you know someone who is and would be interested in coming on the podcast, we want to hear from you. Please reach out at podcast at bodyreadymethod.com. As always, I am so honored to be here with you. See you next time.